to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one best-selling book, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy, Navigating the Clickety-Clack, as well as Evolutionary Healer. And I'm so happy you're here with me today because today we're going to be talking about relationships. And my intention is to help share with you amazing people that will help us all manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, healthy relationships, more prosperity, um, or simply peace of mind. So thank you so much for joining me. And if you happen to be, like me, a sensitive person, highly sensitive soul, you can get my free Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide at sensitivesoulguide.com. And it's a downloadable PDF with lots of great little tips for you. Uh, Three ways of navigating your way to more peace, prosperity, happiness, and uh, peace of mind. So, uh, again, thanks for joining me. And today we're all about relationship magic, waking up together with Guy Finley, my guest. And I love that that subtitle, waking up together, because that's what I've been feeling uh, very strongly you know, over the last, you know, couple of years, especially, you know, with the with the stressors that people are going through right now um, through the tail end, hopefully tail end, of the pandemic, uh, people having differences of opinions, especially with their romantic partner. Um, and uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, getting the jab or not getting the jab or, you know, one person thinks it's, you know, there's a conspiracy, another person doesn't. And so there's all these different uh opinions and it's becoming more stressful in our primary relationships if we're not seeing eye to eye on certain things in the outside world. But what's really cool is a guy is going to share with us, you know, how to use the differences that we have with our partners to become more loving and kind toward them, uh, how to release negative reactions before they, you know, react, wreck our you know, relationships, uh, how to bring any argument to a dead stop using five simple words. Ooh, that sounds really cool, right? How to turn heated exchanges into healing turning points and how to give your partner the room they need to grow. And to learn more about Guy, you can go to guyfinley.org. G-U-Y-F-I-N-L-E-Y.org, and we'll a little later talk about um, some um, free um, through free things that you can get from Guy as well, free advice, and um, that's going to be really, really cool. Um, so Guy is definitely, uh, you know, no stranger to the wellness world, and, and I talk about, you know, healthy relationships being part of wellness. I think it's really, really important, and so many people today are having challenges in their relationships, and this uh, this wonderful book um, from Guy, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together, I recently got in the mail, and partway through it, it's absolutely a gem, so I highly recommend people get a copy of that. Guy is an internationally renowned spiritual teacher and best-selling self-help self-help author. He's the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual self-study located in Merlin, Oregon. He's the best-selling author of The Secret of Letting Go and 45 other books and audio programs that have sold over 2 million copies in 30 languages. He holds regular in-person classes at the Life of Learning Foundation, including two free talks each week that are live-streamed. And uh, we're going to talk about that URL in a moment. Uh, These classes are open to all. And for more information, like I said, about Guy and the Life of Learning Foundation, you can go to guyfinley.org. So without further ado, welcome, Guy. Thank you, Dr. Karen. Glad to be with you. I'm glad to be with you as well. And so, like so many of our wonderful guests, um, uh, you know, there's a process where people grow to be who they are and how they are a value uh, 
you know, to the world. And we would love, even though you've been on the show before, we'd love for you to share kind of like your journey to becoming, you know, this, you know, spiritual teacher, best-selling self-help author, um, because so many of us look up to people like you and go, wow, I wonder if I could be like that. Um, so would love to hear some of your journey to inspire our audience. Oh, my. Uh, how do I put 72 years into a nutshell, Dr. Karen? <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> I'm sure you'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think germane to what we want to talk about today is a very critical understanding that our life, absolutely everything about it, is formulated, fashioned by what we understand about ourselves and our relationships with others and ourselves. Relationships are a mirror. I think we all have a basic understanding of that idea, but to clarify it and turn it into something relative to my own journey, there have been a number of experiences in my life that particularly when I was younger, were absolutely unexplicable. Phenomena, sometimes, without going into detail, but by and large, the overall impression that I was being given or told or shown things about myself that at first there was no way of understanding them. Just the simplest example, and I I don't know whether I put this in the in the magic in the relationship magic book or not i was about 18 years old or 19 years old and i was living on the coast and i happened to walk into an outdoor market where i passed by one of those shops that has all of its benches outside displaying its wares and all spread out probably a hundred maybe, or so, were these bonsai trees. Uh, if the listeners don't know what a bonsai tree is, it's, uh, it's a word that relates to a certain form of originally Japanese art. Having no land to deal with, they would take and they would craft trees into miniature versions so that you could have a tree that was 300 years old that would sit in a pot the size of two hands. And all of the character, all of the quality, all of the elements that go into creating an ancient tree that you might see in the forest are there in the pot. It's called bonsai, is a, means nature in a pot. Well, long story short, I, I looked over at this Dr. Kern and uh, spontaneously began to cry. I had no idea why, but I was so unbelievably drawn to these trees. So I, I walked into the store, into the place where the owner was, and I spent the next three hours there looking at these trees and talking to the owner. Long story short, every impression that we take in, particularly the stronger ones, are a form of relationship where something outside of us stirs and reminds us within ourselves of a quality or a character that corresponds with what it is that we're in relationship with in that moment. So that me looking at these trees, for whatever reason, 
healing the age, seeing the, the suffering that goes into a tree that lives 200 years old, all of that awakened in me a, a sudden awareness of a character that I would never have known was in me if it weren't for that moment outside of me. Now, this holds true with everything that we do. It's the reason why we're drawn, if we are, to nature, why we love the ocean, why we love a majestic mountain or a timeless night sky. Because when we look at these things, we look at a mother doe nursing her new fawn, whatever that may be, in that moment, our relationship with the world around us awakens us to a world within us that we don't know is there without that relationship in the moment. So this has been a a great guide for me where I'm able to understand that if I have a strong impression, a strong draw towards something, it's because there is some corresponding part that waits to be known within me through that relationship. Now, let's move it into my own journey. It has been a failing guide to realize that everything that we see, in fact, it's part of the hermetic teachings, as above, so below, so as within, so without, that we look into a vast mirror of a physical world in which we see represented in the physicality the immateriality, the spirituality, the nature of the soul. So as a guide, it's unfailing because we are introduced to parts of ourselves that are intended to be awakened and then developed. Now, let's take this one idea, Dr. Karen, into one more step so that we can start our relationships dialogue. When we see something beautiful, we love that moment, don't we? We see the night sky. We feel the timelessness. We see the love between two creatures. We enter into that relationship. We love that. What we don't understand and what's absolutely essential in our relationships is to realize the same thing holds true when we are in the relationship of a moment that we don't want to be in because we are being shown through that relationship, we are being awakened and made aware of some character in our consciousness that has been waiting there in the dark of us to be awakened so that it could be integrated into the entirety of our consciousness. So we must learn to use relationships, not just for the beauty that we behold and that allows us to feel as if we've been given something wonderful, but also as a mirror in which to discover where it is that we are still living with limitations that by and large we blame on others when they are awakened and revealed within us. That's my story. That's beautiful, and I so resonate with that. Um, you know, I have uh, you know a lot of friends from all over the place, and um, and some you know some of them are spiritual teachers and yogis and you know all that kind of stuff. And I always thought it was interesting um, that you know, um, especially those that are you know very very you know sensitive, will maybe get into a romantic relationship, um, and it'd be great at the beginning, you know, and it'd be like seemingly harmonious, kind of like that honeymoon. Stage, and then stuff would start happening. You know, patterns would start repeating themselves from their past relationships and things like that. And and um, you know, uh, you know, part, you know, some of the friends would be like, "Okay, I'm out. You know, I'm out of here. You know? Yeah, 
I, I, yeah. I don't yeah. want this. You know, I'm, I'm out of here. And then it kind of dawned on me, um, you know, having gone through my own divorce and things like that, uh, and it, it didn't dawn on me until after I got the divorce that I was like, wow, look at how I've grown, you know, from this relationship. Um, I felt that, that that learning had ended, but it was like I really was grateful for everything that I had learned, who I had become, and how I'd become stronger, and things like that. And there was another leg of, you know, the next journey I was going to go, but I mean, I stuck with it for whatever that was, 16 years. Um, but I was thinking for, for some of my friends that kind of like do the serial, you know, relationship, I'm not, not saying, saying negative things about them necessarily, you know, I, I just thought on me that if you're in that relationship for six months, a year, or whatever, and it starts to get uncomfortable, and then you leave, then you never really get the gems of what that relationship was there to do, which was to reveal what was inside that wishes to, you know, blossom and, and evolve. And, and so I really resonate with your message, Guy. Yeah, the, the I call it the, the early stages of a relationship. I call it the, the Yahoo part. And then shortly thereafter, when the sexual attraction and the rest of the glamour of being introduced to parts of yourself that you love begin to wear thin and you begin to see that there are parts of you that are not so uh, loving from Yahoo to Boohoo uh, in, in one fell swoop. And, and we, miss, we miss the most important thing of all about our relationships. Look, uh, I did not put in myself that which was drawn to those ancient trees. I did not put in myself that which loves nature. I didn't put in myself that which loves God, which loves truth that my life has been given to. I didn't do that. There was something in me prior to those introductions to manifested things and uh, immaterial things that brought me to those things so that I could learn about myself from those things. We are drawn to other human beings for a, a, a host of infinite reasons, some not so, uh, how shall I say, some that are just purely physical, some that are just purely intellectual and some just emotional. But the point is that if we don't understand that relationships are not meant to be a magic carpet ride based on what we think that other person thinks about us or how we feel when that other person acts toward us with good feelings, the real magic carpet is to understand that we are elevated as individuals and in our relationships according to our uh, willingness to receive the revelations that those relationships alone can provide us. That means Yahoo and Boohoo, because Boohoo is not because of the other person. And even if the other person happens to, you know, I, I often laugh, I, I, I watch these commercials and you see uh, people go from being rather common looking and then they get all made up and their hair done and put on the body armor or whatever the heck it is that people wear these days. 
and and they go from being kind of common to some kind of princess. Well, that's great as long as you don't have to take a shower. But the minute that you get into that situation where all of that gear comes off and all of the makeup, including the way we pretend to be so that other people will like us the way we imagine ourselves as being. So when all the glamour and the fatigue of trying to pretend, of, of trying to come off like looking like someone who should be loved, and we don't get the reward anymore for all of that effort, that's where the boo-hoo part comes. But instead of understanding, look, man, this is where we grow. We don't, Dr. Karen, you'll, I know you'll agree with me. We do not grow when we, we fall in love and, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. We do not grow through moments that um, affirm us. We grow through discovering where it is that there are parts of us that believe that without being affirmed, we're no one. Because it, it, the, the relationship is between two individuals who each bring something to that moment for the purpose of allowing the other person to discover what they can't without that person. So I think this is pretty important to, to, to get into here if I'm, if I'm describing it properly. Yeah, very, very important. Um, yeah, I definitely you know, resonate wholeheartedly with this because um, so, so, so many times, and myself included, uh, when I was younger, I felt like my partner was supposed to somehow you know, be the quote-unquote other half instead of thinking each of us yeah, as whole yeah, yeah. collectors for each other. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what, though? It, it's true. In one respect, it is true. We come into this life sensing, seeking, intuiting that there is, in fact, something definitive missing from our life. There isn't one soul that takes incarnation that doesn't come here on a journey seeking the completion of itself through the conditions that will reveal to itself all of its intrinsic essence, its quality and character. But where we fall off the map, literally get it wrong, is that because of the conditioning that we come into this world and start being drummed having it drummed into us, we begin to believe that we are only as valuable and worthwhile as the individuals in our life will confirm it as being so. This is why there's the obsession and the compulsion, not just in relationships, but the fanaticism with ideologies and beliefs, because our identity is predicated on a completely uh, misunderstood misperception of who and what we are and why we're on this planet. So that when I believe I'm only as valuable as you agree I am, or I'm only as powerful as I am part of this group as it exerts itself, then my identity is in the hands of everyone and everything around me. And when that happens, I become attached and dependent. And where you have attachment and dependency, you have the growth of a corrupting fear. Because the minute that that person or that circumstance doesn't confirm me, as I've imagined myself needing to be confirmed, then I either serve through compulsion and compromise or I turn into someone who blames and makes an enemy of the same. The relationships we have, the purpose of them is to bring us together, and this is in my book, 
through an unknown third party. I was alluding to this. I've been with my wife for over 40 years now. I did not bring Patricia into my life. And Patricia did not bring me into her life. We were brought together by something that wants us to know ourselves through what has brought us together. I'm saying this poorly. Love is the third partner in any relationship. It is where we meet. It is where we learn about each other. And ultimately, it is where we understand the necessity for the sake of love to give up the parts of ourselves that are producing all of the painful patterns and the insistence the other person should conform to our ideas and demands. Mm, Yeah, really well said. I love it. Um, Now, some of the questions that come up is, uh, well, you know, what do we have differences of opinion? How how do we become more loving and kind towards our partner, even if we disagree on something? We have to have the right context, Dr. Karen. That's what I, 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 you know, I've been teaching for now over 40 years, 40 years plus, and I, I'm, I, I never start a talk. I never begin speaking without making it clear that we're not coming at this conversation from some uh, from all of these different points of view. We must start understanding we have different points of view, but we must place them in a context so that we can understand the points of view. What's the context? Why am I in a body? Why, why am I on this earth? What are my relationships for? Why do I feel this emptiness? What is this pain that no matter how much pleasure I find never goes away? Why do I judge everyone without even taking thought? It's in my mind. What is all of this noise, these voices in my head? These questions all belong to a single search. And the search is, Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And we, when we come into this world, are bombarded by a mass consciousness, deeply hypnotized and asleep, so that our parents and our friends and everyone around us, all of the media and everything, is a co-conspirator in keeping us convinced that we are only as valuable as the world sees us as being so. And we start right on the racing block, forgetting that this life isn't something to, it's not a race to win, it's a school for our higher education. And when we really begin to understand, the real winner in any moment of life is the one who exits that moment wiser than they went in, not feeling better about themselves, You know, not with more money, not with a six-pack set of abs, but with a new understanding about themselves that was born out of seeing something about themselves they realize in that moment they didn't know before. Then I go into every relationship, one order of being, and if I'm properly present and I'm aware of the real reason I'm in that relationship, I can't help but leave that moment a new human being who has understood and transcended himself as a result of that experience. 
Oh, yes. I love that. You know, it's like seeing the bigger picture of why we're all here. Yes. Like you said, who we are, how, you know, our relationships are there to benefit and evolve each of us and, and not necessarily going into that micro level to go, well, you need to do this so I can be happy and I need to do that, you know, yes. and all that kind of stuff that we were taught. Like you said, we were conditioned and um, whether it be from TV advertisements or, you know, movies, TV shows, you know, parents, schools, all that kind of stuff. We don't get really great lessons in relationship one-on-one. I know I certainly didn't and most of the people that I know didn't as well and so that's why I think you know the work that you do is really really valuable to get us on that bigger picture to see oh okay <laughs> wow yeah 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 look what what you're saying here is on the money because what's the first relationship I have what is the first relationship I have and the answer is whether we understand it or not my first relationship is with myself i mean that that is the relationship from out of which all other relationships will flower or die and if the relationship i have with myself is one of open honesty willingness to see what is true without fear of outcome and a and a further uh new kind of courage based on understanding that there is no such thing as a bad fact about myself, then I can begin my relationships with others from a new kind of footing. So let me throw this in, Dr. Karen. Uh I I don't want to overwhelm the ones who are joining us, but I, I need to make very clear something that, isn't very clear at all from the beginning we are brought into a world with no understanding of our own we are very naive in a manner of speaking we come into this body and we're thrown into abusive families parents maybe that are alcoholic or dysfunctional certainly a world where our culture is so conflicted now and has been it's just beginning to show all of the signs of wear and tear that we're, we're, we're thrown into a hurricane as a child. And we see around us the way people respond to the tempest. And by and large, the way we see everyone in the world responding to the troubles that they experience because of their identification with the world as being something to confirm their image, we see men and women who do not know what to do with the pain they are in other than to blame everyone and everything around them. And if they don't blame everyone around them, then they medicate, they drug themselves so they can get through the pain they don't know what to do with. And that is where the problem lies. My partner, my wife, everyone that I know, I I teach around the world, not everybody, in fact, far from it. Most people don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't. And, and, that's, and that's great because I don't, I don't look to anybody to tell me who I am. And when people have a negative reaction or say something that is uh, cruel, the first thing that I do is 
come as awake as I can to let whatever is corresponding in me respond. And if there is any kind of sting whatsoever to what someone says, I am guaranteed there remains something in this ego that has yet to be revealed. So then everyone becomes my friend. This is why Christ said, love thine enemies, because it is the understanding that it is through revelation that we reach integration. And that revelation requires awareness of what's been asleep in us. So when my partner or anybody else says something, because you said it, and our partner's not being nice, where is the problem in that moment other than my partner? Now here we're making an important pivot. First, I'll ask you, Dr. Karen, when you say something that isn't unkind, and we all do, is it because you're as happy as a clam, feeling content and full of love? Or is it because in that moment, someone or something has set off a reaction, and that reaction gets our mouth, and it begins to speak things that often we wish we hadn't said later? So bottom line, it is pain that wants to punish others. It is pain that is unkind to others. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. That, it's, right. it's very easy to be triggered these days if we're not aware. Right. Yeah, even when yeah. we okay. are aware. So, all right, so now, now, there you are. I don't know what part of the world you're in. I'm in southern Oregon. But isn't it strange that you have that pain, and I have that pain too, and my wife has that pain, and my, my assistants and my students have that pain, and someone in Hong Kong and someone in Belize and someone in the Cape of Africa has that pain. So all of a sudden we have a very important understanding. It's not my pain. And it never was my pain. It always was our pain. And everyone has it. But in this world, everyone is taught to believe that having pain, awareness of pain, proves there's something terribly wrong with our life and our relationships, and therefore we have to go control the people and the conditions that are blamed for that pain, and no person, no condition is responsible for the revelation of pain in our consciousness. We need to learn to thank people and conditions for awakening us to that pain. I have a saying, when someone sets me off, I teach this. Thank you. I didn't know that about myself. Ooh, I like that. So thank you. I didn't know that about myself. Right. Whoa. Why? I like that. Because, because suddenly you've helped me see something that was latent in my consciousness. I, I didn't walk into the restaurant to have dinner with five people believing that unless everyone there gave me the proper uh, attribution, that I was going to get negative. We walk around without knowing that there are a series, a body of energies that are living unconscious demands in our consciousness. And so when somebody doesn't live up to the demand, including my partner, suddenly I blame them for not fulfilling an unconscious expectation I have. Instead of thanking them for showing me that I came into that moment limited by the presence of a punishing expectation that without you I would never know lives in me. Mm. Got it. 
Wow. I got to remember that one. <laughs> we all oh. do, Dr. Karen. Oh, my God. That was great. That was just, I, I think I'm going to put sticky notes on my <laughs> mirrors and computers <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And uh, now, is, is, so this, is, is this, you know, that what, you were talk, what we were talking about before, those five simple words um, to bring any argument to a dead stop? Yeah, it's connected. Listen to this. When, when, some, when it, long ago, when this realization came to me, uh, it, it, I literally was stunned for a full 24 hours. So let's build on what we said. Number one, we can understand it's, it's certainly not, we all know what it feels like to look at something timeless. So is the feeling of what is timeless my feeling or is it our feeling? I'm asking you, right. Dr. Karen. Our feeling. Yeah. I'm an instrument in that moment of it, by the grace of God. But someone sitting on the other side of the country, the other side of the world, they can't wait to wake up and, and early in the morning and watch the sunrise because the beauty of, that, of the color and the scheme is it's breathtaking. And we live to have that aspiration, that inspiration produced by the soul seeing some quality of itself reflected in the world and then knowing itself momentarily through that relationship. So if it's not my beauty, it's our beauty. If it's not my compassion, but our compassion, and it's not my pain, but our pain, the same thing holds true when it comes to how we deal with that pain, with that moment where our partner has said something because why? Because they're in pain. My partner never says anything to me that hurts me without them first having felt hurt themselves. Right or wrong, it is pain that speaks from my partner when they want to make me feel bad. I never know my partner is in pain. Ever. Because all I know when they push my pain button is my pain. And I have no care whatsoever about what my partner's going through because all I want in that moment is to get through my pain. And I do that by, by making you submit, by demanding or otherwise bringing your feet into the fire so you can see what you've done to me without any awareness whatsoever that they would never have said or done or acted in the way they did if they weren't first in some unseen misery that I have no awareness of because I go into that moment sound asleep and then them in their sleep stir the sleeping pain in me and then you get a pattern called fighting where each one blames the other for the pain failing to see that it's pain that's fighting. No conscious human being, Dr. Karen, would ever deliberately hurt another human being. They would rather drop dead, and that's the truth. And I speak to you from knowing it so. Wow. Powerful, powerful words. It is pain that is fighting. That's correct. Well, and, and so often and we when, think about our pain, not their pain, and, and what you're talking about is, you know, uh, our pain as a collective. Like it, it, yes. Yeah. 
Yes, wow. then that's where, the, that's where the healing has to be. That's why I said it, it, it is us as individuals. We are looking at a collective pain in our culture worldwide that does not know what to do with itself except further fragment itself into one or more divided groups, each and every one believing that their identity, which is derived from pain, is the proof that the pain is being produced by the other people, by the other groups. And no one presently, save a very few men and women, understand that that's what's taking place and are willing to do the work as individuals to give themselves up, honestly, so that the world that we are part of and that is unfolding within us can begin to make the authentic change that we are here on this earth to help see through. So here's one more thing, if I may. You tell me if I'm talking too much, okay? (laughs) We'll go to the phones in a little bit, but go ahead. So everyone that's listening to us, if they're still listening to us, has this question, well, what am I supposed to do? I just got set off. He did this again. She, she, went, she took that route, reminding me of what I did 30 years ago. I mean, there's no end to the arsenal of ways in which this consciousness clings to past conflicts to throw it in the face of those around us to prove our superiority. And by the way, a truly superior human being never has to prove himself or herself as being so. Number one. Right. But here's the deal. What do I do? Listeners, you may want to write this down because it, it, it's worth studying for the rest of your life. That's how important it is. Dr. Karen, do you know the original meaning of the word patience? The original meaning of it, as what it was given probably like 5,000 years ago. Oh, I'm no, sorry, I only ahead. know the one that says one that suffers. That's close. That's the only one I know. One who suffers, yeah, one who suffers himself. Mm. That's patience. St. Paul said, in your patience possess you your soul. You can go through the Bhagavad Gita. You can go through the Dhammapada. You can go through every scripture, east and west, and you'll discover something that corresponds to the idea that until we are willing to be awake and aware enough to realize that the revelation of the moment is not intended to send us flying into rage or blame or control conditions, but to help us realize what lays latent in our consciousness so that in the awareness of that, it can be integrated into the greater whole, into what is holy that has made us aware of that. So in our patience with our partner, we get to see the pain that not just we're in, but the pain that they are in at the same time. And that's called compassion. Tolerance is not compassion. Compassion is understanding that everyone I meet is in the same pain that I am, only blamed for different circumstances. So that as I meet someone and I am aware of myself and everything that is being revealed in me, to me, about myself in that moment 
Then I am in a field of cohesive awareness, as it's called today. I am in a field where everything that is being lived out is part of my life. And I know my partner's pain before she even speaks it. And because I know her pain, because I'm aware of my own, I do not exacerbate her pain. I am open. I am willing to receive what I can bear in order to help my partner get through that pain that she gets through by me dying to my own at the same time. I hope that was clear. Yeah, it sounds... uh... It sounds uh, scary, I think, to some people. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you know, what am I? You know, what what do I say? You know, thank you. I didn't know that about myself, and and then I feel like bad about myself. You know, when I say that because I don't really believe oh, that wait. about myself. You know, so how does that all oh, work yeah. out? <laughs> oh, okay. So so what you're saying is, thank you. I didn't know that about myself. So I'm a terrible person because look at that, and. Does the, and Dr. Karen, you know this. Does love ever blame? Does light ever shine on something to shame it? Is there anything that is good authentically in nature that sits in judgment of anything that isn't the same as itself? Or does love and light and what is good by its very nature interact with whatever it comes into and comes into it so as to make whatever it comes into more like itself. That's the answer. See, we're in a world now that can't wait to judge. Not just judge others, but judge ourselves. So that we walk around with this psychopathic super sensitivity to the, for the fear of being judged because God help me. If someone judges me, it means I'm not what I've imagined myself to be. And my fear doesn't exist without the imagination of myself as I imagine myself. So we're caught in this deep cycle of a conflicted consciousness that's digging a deeper pit literally every moment, but that you and I can use, Dr. Karen, that we can actually take and take the elements of something that is producing all of these enemies outside and within us, including our partners, and turn them into allies turn them into conditions and qualities and characters that help confirm what is good and everlasting so that we become part of that greater upwelling, up-moving cycle. Oh, I love that. I love that. That is great. Um, I did want to share with folks listening in, um, you have some, um, is it free videos that you have uh, that are live streamed each week? A um, couple of times. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, can you share about um, that and where people can find that? Yeah, if you're interested in what I'm talking about, I, I my, my foundation, Life of Learning, sponsors a free webinar three times a week. I speak around the world, over the net, to men and women on Wednesday evenings, and Sunday mornings. And if you want to find out, find out about the webinars, they're completely free. You don't have to join anything. There's no cost. There, it's, we ask if anybody can afford it for a donation, but if you can't, no sweat. The talks are archived. You can replay them. Go to guyfinley.org forward slash webinar. <coughs> Excuse me. Guy Finley, 
org forward slash webinar or forward slash uh, free classes. Or just Google me, guyfinley.org forward slash webinar. <coughs> Excuse me, Karen. Sign up for the notifications about the webinars. You'll be notified. Nothing else happens, and you take it from there. Join me twice a week, three times a week, and we can continue not to just acknowledge the things that Dr. Karen and I are talking about, but to act on the knowledge, which is critical if we want to change ourselves, let alone the world that we're in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, very key and core, actually, to how we're going to heal the world. Um, it's uh, easy sometimes to hide away by ourselves in a corner, <laughs> self-isolate for those that are uh, super sensitive as well and just be in there. But it's when we're able to navigate our relationships that that growth is exponential, at least in my experience, just um, it's challenging for sure, uh, whether that be relationships with, you know, partner, parents, loved ones, uh, coworkers, staff. Um, and uh, I think some of the greatest opportunities that the universe, quote unquote, has given me has been when I've had, very, you know, challenges in those ways and just wanting to run away. Yes. <laughs> I want to run away. I want to run away. You know, please make this go away. And then going, okay, okay. So <laughs> they're a reflection of me, and you know, um, yeah. And and when I've approached it in this way, um, luckily, you know, this is not like every day. I mean, that would that would be really something. But um, you know, when it's coming, it's like wow. You know that what happens afterwards, amazing. I actually was just talking to a friend the other day, guy, and she was like, oh, you know, my partner, he does this thing every six weeks, or what, I don't know whether it's the moon or whatever, but then he gets kind of crazy on me, and I'm just ready to let it go. You know, and I said, well, I said, you know, a spiritual teacher once told me uh, to never make decisions in this space. <laughs> she was like, she's like, oh, and I was like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not your counselor, or whatever. I'm just sharing some wisdom that I felt was really helpful because I told her I would have moved away from my acupuncture office and the partner at that time because we had an argument. One in ten years, we had one argument, right? And I was ready to go. It was so uncomfortable. I was right, ready to go. Right. But my spiritual teacher right. said, you know, please. Think about not making that kind of decision, uh, especially yeah, no, that's good advice. when you're in that space. Yeah, but I do want to add this. Nothing that I am saying includes the idea that you should let any other human being, whoever it may be, abuse you. If you're right. in an yeah, abusive relationship, yeah, if you're in an abusive relationship and you have made it clear that you will not tolerate any kind of crazy, psychotic, punishing, abusive behavior, and your partner continues to do it, don't you dare sit and blame your partner for the pain you're in. You're now in a codependent relationship where you're strengthening that pain in that person that produces that aberrant behavior towards you. You're in an abusive relationship, and there's any way under the sun you can get out of it, get out of it. No one is meant to abuse you, and you are certainly not meant to be abused by anyone, period. Yeah, some some people have chosen really uh, tough uh, um, or challenging um, incarnations, let's just say, um, healing things within themselves. And uh, and as many people know, the, you know, there's these patterns, and just because we see patterns in other people of abuse and we wonder, oh, how, you know, how, how come they don't get out of it? You know, we have... 
we have other patterns within ourselves that we may not recognize. It's not so overt. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, but thank you so much for, you know, sharing that because uh, I think people really need to hear that. I was going to ask you that anyway later on, so that was perfect. And if you want to ask Guy a question to get a little bit of, you know, um, help, the number to call in if you're uh, listening to us live is 818-514-1190. Hit 1 so we know your hand is up. You know, come on, comment, share what's going on in your life. So, again, the number to call in live is 818-514-1190 and hit 1. And as you may know already, if you're online, the chat is open. So I'll read off some questions from there as well if you are long distance and don't wish to call in. So we have several callers called in, but nobody's raised their hand up yet, uh, Guy. Um, so I just want to share with folks that um, URL again where you can um, connect with Guy uh, live twice a week. It's Guy Finley, G-U-Y-F-I-N-L-E-Y dot org forward slash webinar. Um, and, that's and you can, you can, and you, can you know what, learning you can just, yeah, you can just go to GuyFinley.org and my website is free. You can spend years going through the free resources there. The task is on your shoulders. You and I must be the ones who understand the need to become a different kind of human being, not because someone else says so, but because we are present as possible to what I began this talk, our conversation, saying, we know in our heart of hearts a greatness lives in us. We know it. No one has to teach us that. It's there. We know that we are not meant to be limited by negative reactions. We know we are not limited, meant to be limited by fear. If we understand those facts, and then we add to those facts the understanding, as is true in any true teaching, that life is relationship. The essence of Eastern teachings, mutual dependency. There is no life apart from relationship. There is no self outside of relationship. And if it's true, if everything is mutually dependent, if there's no self outside of relationship, and we understand that relationship by its very nature is exchange, then who in their right mind would want to limit what they exchange their present life for when it's always going to be something more inclusive and greater? So that we want to answer this longing we have to realize an increasingly limitless life by entering into relationships that introduce us to our limitations because it is in transcending the uh, appearance of the limitation that we exchange who and what we were for all we are being given to be in that moment through that relationship. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Um, Here's a question. Um, So if I feel like an argument is coming on, what's the first thing you advise me to do? So here I am, and uh, maybe, maybe I said something, maybe she said something, or we're sitting at a dinner table and we're talking about our kid, and we have... A, a differing uh, opinions on how to handle it. So what she's saying is a storm is brewing. 
And I can right. sense Star the Wars storm Spring. is brewing. I can sense the argument's <laughs> yeah. coming. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. The first thing always, no matter what's going on, is to regain your attention. Let's look at it together. My mind, suddenly, my heart, I feel a storm is brewing. Dr. Karen, as advocate for the listener, where's, wh- where does your mind go? What's the first thing your mind does when you start to feel that a storm is brewing? I think it, 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 uh, the natural response, like knee-jerk response is to defend myself. Exactly. First thing is that I start to think about what my partner's thinking about. <laughs> so I can have a proper protection when, they, when he or she throws the grenade. So the first thing that yep. happens is my, my attention is taken away from the awareness of myself and placed onto a thought or a feeling that's full of apprehension or protectiveness. So I'm already out of the gate, so to speak, afraid and feeling defensive or that if I don't make my point, I'm going to lose the fight. Listen, this is not very popular what I'm about to say. No one wins a fight. (laughs) Period. Look at the world. The way fights end is when we die to the fighter in us. And then listeners say, well, wait a minute. You're not suggesting I become a doormat, let my partner run all over me. No, you don't need your partner to run all over you. You're doing a fine job all by yourself. Imagining imagining what's about to happen, mounting a defense to something that hasn't even been said yet, even though it may have been said three days ago. So you're completely cut out of being present to yourself which means you have no awareness of anything that's unfolding in you. So how can you possibly share a relationship with another human being if you're cut off from yourself? And that's the answer. Become aware of yourself. Listen, don't try to make this into something hoi polloi, you know, some deep, I'm going to awaken and being enlightened and all of that crud. Be present. Be responsible. Be aware Start there. If you can do it for five seconds and become conscious of the pain in yourself that's there in the moment, you might be able to see that now pain is starting to speak for you. Pain is trying to protect itself. Pain does not protect you. Pain protects the consciousness that lives in conflict. No pain is interested in bringing an end to itself. It's a liar. It says you must protect yourself. You're not protecting yourself. You're isolating yourself from an awareness and a relationship with love that would show you that pain isn't protecting you, but that it's perpetrating your life through its name. You get that much down in three seconds, your life is off to a whole new beginning. I guarantee it. Yeah, it, it is amazing, and, um, you know, definitely a practice. Uh, I, I'm certainly not an expert at the, that, you know, degree of self-awareness in the moment. The times that I have been, though, it's been quite transformational. I just want to affirm that, guy. Yeah. I remember one time yeah. it was like, 
I don't know what my husband was talking about, but he was very heated, and it, it wasn't even about me. <laughs> it was about something else. And in that moment, I became self-aware uh, and was realizing that my stomach started hurting. And yeah. I just revealed to him, I said, oh, that's really interesting because as you're talking, my stomach's starting yeah. to hurt. And it was just uh, not blaming. It was just like, I'm just noticing my stomach's, wow, isn't that interesting, uh, right? And then he kind of stopped and yeah. was like, oh, wow. He's like, yeah, I, I think I'm being a lot of negative energy. Well, let's, uh, let's change the subject, right? <laughs> And, you know, and it was like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't ask him to necessarily. I didn't tell him he was wrong for doing exactly. that or whatever. I was just noticing exactly. that my stomach hurt. <laughs> how how perfect is that as an example? You sense an argument's coming on. You know you should not be involved in a fight. So you patiently endure as best you can the pain you're in. Your partner proceeds. You might say to him, you know, this is really hurting me. This, this hurts. I, don't, I can't tell you exactly why. I'm not blaming you. I'm just telling you I am suffering now as we get into this. Like you did, you, my stomach hurts. Suddenly your partner is asked to become aware of himself. He was not aware of himself before. He was the instrument of pain that was trying to protect itself by blaming or trying to control the partner. So this momentary search, this work to be self-aware, changes the entire condition to the extent we are capable of entering into it and responding accordingly. That's a perfect example, Dr. Karen. Uh, thank you, Guy. Well, we'll take one more question here before we go, and we certainly just absolutely appreciate your time, Guy. It's been wonderful. Uh, this question is uh, from a young person who's, you know, who's um, um, created a new um, business for herself, and she's very excited about it. Um, and I believe Great. she's afraid she's she's growing or outgrowing. Oh, okay, well, I'm paraphrasing here. Outgrowing um, maybe her primary relationship because she perceives that her husband is lost and you know, doesn't know what to do with his career and bounces from one thing to another. And here she is so passionate about what she's doing and what she's creating. She wants the same for him, and it isn't happening. So she's asking, is there something I can do to help him? <laughs> I guess her focus is on him, <laughs> to help him find his way. <laughs> the one answer to every question like that is be true to yourself. The problem is, and that's what Dr. Karen and I have been talking about, is I have to learn what it means to be true to myself. Here's one way. You might want to write this down because you have a certain fear that your partner isn't going to change, that it may impact the strong passion you have for producing a new business and succeeding in order to discover new qualities and characteristics in yourself. There is no such thing as psychological fear without negative imagination. Write it down. There is no such thing as psychological fear without negative imagination. What does that mean? It means that the majority of our fear is, is, is based on anticipation of something negative. My mind is projecting what may happen as it produces the picture 
of me being this way and my husband being that way produces resistance. Oh, I don't want that. I'm afraid that's going to happen. And then we begin to resist our own imagination, believing that it's reality. Nothing we imagine is real. It belongs to an imagined identity. So when I can be aware that this fear I'm feeling, and by the way, fear always pushes, love always reveals. Fear always pushes, love always reveals. Let me wait, watchful of this fearful nature, aware of the fact that I need to see more deeply into myself before I start taking action towards my husband. Then, as I do that, I am being true to myself, and the time may come. If your husband isn't changing and changes upon you, then we are on a different path, and the road is diverged, and you will know it, and it won't be born out of fear. There will be fear. There always is when we make major changes because so much of our identity is rooted in these established connections that help us like mirrors to see ourselves as we imagine ourselves to be. But you will know and you will take the right step. The truer you are, the fewer decisions you have to make based in fear. Oh, I love that. Well, I think, Guy, I'm going to be making some memes with your name on it here. There's some really great, <laughs> really great uh, gems. Uh, and uh, the creator in me loves to loves to make these little memes. So um, you'll, if you're on Facebook, you'll see them. Um, yeah. So Guy, thank you so so much for the interview today. It was such such a blessing to have you on the planet with us, and uh, you know your leadership. And thank you so much again for the beautiful book, Relationship Magic: Waking Up Together. And folks can find everything about Guy at GuyFinley.org. Until next time, lots of love, Guy. And for everyone listening. Karen. And, and, and to you, thank you. What a wonderful time and uh, what a great opportunity. Keep up your good work, Karen. Bless you, bless you. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Bye for now, everyone. Bye-bye.